life doesn't come easy for anyone. It's mm. So I suppose I just, I never really, I don't think I ever really had a sort of, I don't know, like a lot of kids probably have the view that life's a, a walk in the park. Like growing up, like things will just be easy. You'll go to school and then you'll go have a job and you'll make money and have a house and whatever. But I suppose I always thought there are going to be obstacles and that's probably the attitude I've had with everything, that there are going to be obstacles but they can be overcome. I'm Ren McDonald and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin. I'm the host. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's episode, I speak with my cousin, Mia Henry Jarrett. It's probably the longest time I've had a one-on-one conversation with my cousin. You know, we have conversations at family Christmas and and certain things, but it was, yeah, the the longest chat we probably ever had, just one-on-one, uninterrupted. So it was really good to to learn about her life and her hopes and dreams for the future. She's had an interesting life, diagnosed with leukaemia at the age of four, now studying biomed at, at Monash University here in Victoria. She's someone who is very level-headed for a 20-year-old, very mature. It's something I, I ask her about because, I mean, I'm 27 now and I feel like, you know, she's she's far more mature than I'll probably ever be. But um, there you go. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Thanks again to Mia and here it is. Mia Henry Jarrett. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thank you. <laughs> so... Thank you for coming here today to my to my work. No worries. You are my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for anyone who, who doesn't know, I would like to start, if I could, I always like to start with a, a fairly open-ended question sure. with guests and as is the, you know, the nature of my podcast, it's with everyday people. So, you know, you don't have tens of thousands of followers on social media unless, <laughs> <Definitely> I'm, <not>. <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm misinformed or it's on private. <laughs> But yeah, it's obviously, you're obviously someone who not a lot of people would know. So to start, I'd like you to share a bit about your life. Start with the maybe <laughs> earliest memory that you have and work towards, you know, okay. present day. Um, well, let me think. So we used to live in a little house in Thornbury. So I suppose my earliest memories would be there. And we did, I was really interested in the garden. So we had, I remember there was this old um, apricot tree in the backyard that um, whenever I had nightmares, Dad would take me outside to calm me down with the old apricot tree. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I guess that's probably one of my earliest things that I sort of remember, or maybe it's just that he's told me about that a lot, that it sort of stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then we moved. Um, a lot of stuff happened in between, but um, now, uh, so I'm 20 now, and I suppose I, I play a lot of music and basketball, and I'm a student at Monash, so I don't know, that was very short, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. So, with a lot of the stuff in between, Yes. what is some of that stuff? So Yeah. Yeah. So, when I was four, I was diagnosed with leukaemia. Um, so, obviously, that was complicated for a few years. Yep. I was in and out of hospital a lot. Um, 
Yep. And I also have a little sister. So she was, she's two years younger than me. So she was two when I was diagnosed. So that was kind of just hard on everyone, especially her mm. um, growing up as well, I think. But yeah. Yeah, right. And for those who don't know, what is leukemia? In case anyone listening so doesn't know. It's a type of cancer, basically. And it's specifically to do with um, a type of immune cells in your bone marrow. Right. So, yeah. Essentially, a type of blood cancer. Right. Yeah. It sort of was everywhere. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. Right. So you had that when you were four? Yeah. And then chemo for two and a half years. Right. So. What are your f- sort of first memories of having that condition? Um, I have a really early memory of sitting in um, a room in the ER and I don't know if it was when I was diagnosed or soon after, but I remember vividly that everyone was really like shaken and upset. Um, and I think we'd come from some outing or something that I'd, I'd got too sick at um, and they're like, no, we have to take you to hospital, something's wrong. Yeah. But I remember like what I was wearing. I remember like wearing this little like white t-shirt and a pink skirt and I don't know if that was when I was diagnosed or just early on in it, but... Yeah, I remember that. And I also remember the hospital walls had, in the ER for kids, they had all these um, paintings of aliens and stuff. And I remember <laughs> thinking they were pretty cool. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what hospital did you go to, do you know? Um, there was the Royal Children's Hospital. Okay. Yeah. So when you were four, you were diagnosed and you had chemo for two and a half years straight. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you were quite young. I can't yeah. say I remember too many things from that time in my life. But what? What was your memory of that time? Like, how tough was that? Um, well, honestly, I think I've probably done a pretty good job of blocking it out. It's not that I try not to remember it or anything, but, like, I was young, as mm. you say, and it's kind of hard to remember things from that age. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I remember prob- – I probably remember more around the school years, start of school, yep. um, than beforehand. I remember sitting in hospital and – uh, Mum and Dad would bring in a laptop with computer games for me to play while I was in there waiting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember just like little things, like um, a colourful blanket that they would bring from home and something like that. Um, and I had a little stuffed toy dog that I would always bring to me, when, uh, bring to hospital with me. Yeah. Whenever I had to I'd go in and stuff, yeah. To help like just pull you through, yeah. take your attention off things. Yeah, I've still got it at home somewhere. But nice. yeah. What's its name? <laughs> Uh, I think I call it Tanner or something. I don't know. Whatever, okay. whatever four-year-olds name their random toys. <laughs> yeah, right. That's cool. So six and a half, the chemo stopped. Yes. And yeah. were you cleared of the? Yeah. So I think I was. I think I was actually cleared uh, a, a bit earlier on than that. Sure. But because uh, of the risk of it coming back, because it was everywhere, mm. um, that's what blood cancers are. Then they have to be pretty diligent with. Um, continue it on until there's not a risk of it coming back. Yeah, sure. Um, or at least a very reduced risk of it. Right. So, yeah, I was cleared um, after that in terms of I didn't have to have any more chemo, but I did have to go in and out of hospital just for general checkups. They say for, like, the next seven years or so after you finish. So, right. yeah, I wasn't quite rid, uh, rid of the hospital yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. And in those seven years, how, how was your health? Um, well, I developed chronic fatigue uh, pretty soon after finishing chemo, so I missed out on a lot of school. Mm. Um, so I suppose that aspect of it wasn't great. Um, I did get sick quite a lot um, just as I was recovering from chemo. But then uh, probably, I think it was about year eight, things kind of picked up. I started going to school like for the normal number of days. Yeah. Um, wasn't really getting colds like any 
more than the average person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still. So year eight, I finished in grade one. So that's that's considerable. It did have a considerable impact. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then moving forward, I guess, what are your what are some of your memories of school? Like, what what do you remember? Maybe your favorite memory of of primary school or even high school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, obviously, I remember a lot more from high school because that's much more recent. Sure. Um, but primary school, I remember a lot about the library we had. Just I like to read books a lot. So, um, unfortunately, I don't have the time for it as much now. But <laughs> sure. I remember we had a really cool library at primary school mm. um, and high school too, of course. Um, but at high school, probably most of my favourite memories would be to do with the music department there. Mm. So, had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. What what was your favourite subject? Was it was um, it music or it wasn't actually. I didn't like being assessed on music. <laughs> I, I preferred to sort of um, have it be my downtime after doing assessments and things, yeah, right. rather than something someone was going to judge me on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my favourite subjects were actually probably maths or science, something in that sort of area. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what did you like about them? Just like the problem solving or? Um. I yeah. I don't know. I probably. I had a really, really good math teachers, uh, particularly in VCE. Mm. Um, so that obviously made it more enjoyable. I had groups of close friends in those classes. So it was probably just that aspect of it made me like look forward to going to the classes and then just dealing with the content was easier because I wanted to be in the class. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I think that's probably it. I, like, I enjoy the other subjects too, English and everything. I did Japanese as well. Okay. Yeah. So you, can you speak Japanese? <laughs> no, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish I'd kept up with it, but I just haven't had the time. Yeah, sure. Okay, so that was sort of primary school or I- even into high school? Like, did you learn, I'm assuming Japanese was in high school, right? Yes, no, we didn't. We did, I think we did Italian or something in primary school. I didn't, didn't wow. stick with me at all. I don't remember any Italian. <laughs> okay. But, I, I mean, I, as, as little Japanese as I can speak now, I probably can read a little bit still, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was only two years ago that I did. <laughs> yeah, sure. High school, right. And not not being that long ago, because mm. I'm pretty certain you got a pretty good enter score, right? Like, to yeah, get into university. Did, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to share what you got? Or? Um, I think I got 98. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So quite high. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty pleased. Yeah, as you would be. Um what and obviously getting a, a score like that means you did quite well in all of your subjects throughout the year. <laughs> but what is something maybe that you weren't taught or wasn't available to you that you maybe, looking back now, would have liked to have learnt? Um, well, there were a couple of things I thought about uh, in Year Twelve. One of which was not doing a language, um, and which ended up being my lowest subject, and doing a, another maths instead because I enjoyed maths so much. So. I don't know, that could have changed things as well. Um, I was also interested in music composition, but our school didn't offer it because none of the people were interested. Oh, really? I I don't mind being assessed on music composition. I just don't like people judging me when I'm performing and all that. So I didn't want to do a performance subject. Yeah, sure. What about in terms of something that you couldn't have accessed? So I guess you're saying, you know, music or music composition wasn't available because not enough people were interested. But is there something that... You know, you've lived outside of high school, you know, for oh, right. for a couple of years now. Is there um, anything that you've found, you know, you're studying at Monash or, you know, just living in general? Is there yeah. anything that you find that maybe you're lacking that you never had the chance to learn? Uh, well, I went to an all-girls school, so it was quite weird. 
um, sure. at going to uni was having guys around as well. Right. Um, but that wasn't so much as something I'd learned. It's just it was a weird experience to start off with. But never, I, now I don't really remember what it was like to just go to an all-girls school. Yeah, right. But um, no, I don't. I think my high school probably we we did a lot of um, programs of like basically how to survive in the real world, like how to do taxes and things like that. So I we were pretty prepared. I think okay. um, as far as some some schools go. Yeah, um, yeah. That's the first I've heard of a school <laughs> doing that. That's good. Yeah. What's the school? Uh, it was Our Ladies in Heidelberg. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So you did some of those things. Okay, yeah. cool. So boxed off, all prepared, <laughs> ready for life. <laughs> yeah, it was still daunting there, of course. Like sure. Going to uni and everything. But yeah. Yeah. And so you've been at uni, is this your third so year? I've, I just finished my second year. Just finished yeah. second. Yeah. Cool. And so you're at Monash. What are you What yes. are you studying there? I'm studying biomed. Biomed. So, yes. And what exactly is biomed? Biomed is basically... Um, Oh, in, in America, they call it pre-med or something like that. It's it's the degree you have to do before you do postgraduate medicine. Right. Um, so it's it's very sciencey, but with a focus on health as well. Yeah. So, um, focus on communication with patients and things, as well as learning the actual science. Right. Yeah. And what made you want to get into that? Um, well, I suppose I, I kind of, probably around year nine, I decided I wanted to be a doctor of some sort when I grew up. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, so there's just the pathway to get there, really. It's a pretty long pathway. Yeah. Um, How long? Uh, so three years for this course and four years of postgrad med, and then you have to specialise in something, if you choose to specialise in something, but most people do. Sure. So and how long would a specialised course say? Uh, it, it varies. I think it's around a couple of years. Okay. Um, yeah. So at least maybe all up nine, yep. nine to ten years. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. That's dedication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you're not there yet, but at least to you know confront that that runway is yeah. is good. It's commendable. Yeah, thank you. Because I guess I'm, yeah, just celebrated. You can say ten years out of high school this year, few oh, months cool. ago. But yeah, I've changed jobs and avenues. Yeah, but, but plenty of people do. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So then, back in year nine, you decided you want to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. Was that brought on by the fact that you? had been, you know, in and out of hospitals in your younger years or? Uh, maybe maybe partly. I think for a long time I was really against the idea of being a doctor and working in hospitals because I didn't want to go back there. But um, people kept saying, because obviously my parents, or not obviously for people that don't know me, but of course. Um, my parents work in the medical field. So people were like, well, you, are you going to follow in your parents' footsteps and all that? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do medicine. I don't want to <laughs> do that. Um, too much work, too, too, too much science. Um, right. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't think there was a specific moment of realisation or anything, but I think I just one day thought, well, maybe I should consider it a bit. Um, and it was probably, there were probably a number of things I was considering at once and I don't know how, but that one just stuck, prob- probably because of my history in and out of hospital. Right. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't think there's a, like one defining reason why I've chosen this pathway. But yeah. I, I enjoy it. I suppose that's probably the most important thing. Right. In choosing it. Because that was going to be, yeah, partly my next question. Like, the two years you've done now, yes. are you <laughs> you enjoying it? Yes, I love it. I, I don't enjoy the four-hour train travel each day. Wow. But, um, I, yeah, I love the course. And I love the people that I work with and uh, lecturers. and They're all highly qualified and interesting people. Um, but also really great to have a conversation with and shoots and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And 
It's a four-hour train trip. Is that because you don't have a licence or you choose not to drive? I do have a licence. Um, it just takes about an hour and a half to drive anyway, so it's two hours each way by train. Wow. So it's not that much different and it means I can do, spend two hours listening to music in the morning right. or studying last minute for a test um, <laughs> okay. rather than focusing on peak hour traffic and seeing some really interesting driving <laughs> on, the, on the odd days that I do drive. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense then. Fair enough. So, Monash Uni, okay. Two years into a possible nine, ten-year course. Yeah. Well, good luck. Thank you. Obviously, I'll be keeping in touch with you as yeah. that journey <laughs> progresses. But, yeah, that's as his commitment. Yeah, thank you. So, your parents then? Yes. Bruce and Serena. Yeah. I hope they don't mind me. <laughs> I'm sure they won't. Shouting them out. <laughs> they do both work in the health field. Yeah. How much of an influence do you think they did? You know, you mentioned at the start that your dad, I mean, it's quite clear, you know, for anyone listening who has parents, which would be most people, yeah. you know, who have had contact with their parents, you know, bring them up, you know, he helps you when you had nightmares with the apricot yeah. tree and I'm sure there's hundreds of stories you could say about him and your mum mm. who are both such kind and loving people. Yeah. They really are. And, you know, how much do you think that they have affected you? You know, you mentioned that might have been one reason why you're getting into the field of, of, of medicine and, and health yeah. is that you were in hospital yourself, but how much do you think they've affected that? Um, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to tell, but I suppose, um, without noticing, I've probably picked up on things they've said throughout the years. And I've noticed in class, um, and things at uni this year, someone like they've been teaching us the content and things they say sound familiar. So mm. I've, I've heard it at home when mum and dad are discussing things. So it, I feel like it probably just over time became like, I picked up little bits about the field um, and just things that I knew, and then so when I started learning about it, it came easier, yep. um, and then so I was more likely to stick with it. It, it probably influenced it in, it in that aspect more so than me wanting to do something that my parents were doing. Yeah, but yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm sure like most parents as well, they they were quite supportive of you. But oh, of course. Yeah. Do you get like, like, loads of advice from them even now or in the past two years on you know how to go about your studies? Because I can imagine it would be quite a challenging. Yeah, no, they've they've actually um, always sort of taken a step back and let me do my own thing. Obviously, they'll help me if I need help and all sure. that, but um, they've very much uh, let me choose my own pathway. Um, and I don't know, they're, they're always ready to discuss things. They, they love it when you talk about new things in science and stuff that you're learning at uni. But um, yeah. no, they never they never tell me when to study or what to study or that I should be studying more or less or actually they tell me to study a bit less sometimes. They? Yeah, I think I think mum freaks out a bit but Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. You obviously then very dedicated. Yeah, um, it's a very competitive I don't really like the competitive nature of it. That's probably the only thing about it that I don't like aside mm. from the length of the course and everything. Um but yeah, so I enjoy it and to get there I have to put in yeah. the effort. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. And your sister, who yes. is two years younger than you, you mentioned. Yeah. She just got back from the end of year celebrations known as schoolies. Yes. We were talking about that before we started recording. Do you have any idea what she wants to do? Like, does she want to follow in a, a similar field herself? No, she's actually going down a completely different path. So I think she wants to do film and television production, something like that. Um, 
she's really interested in acting. So she's done some really cool NIDA courses. She had to audition for them and she got in out of a huge number of people auditioning to a really small course, which was pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so she, I think she's been an extra in one or two things or something. But, yeah, she's she's um, yeah, she wants to be an actress but also um, heavily involved in producing films and things. So very different. <laughs> yeah, cool. I guess I just wanted to, yeah, mention that because I wasn't too aware. I mean, I've seen yeah. a few of her sort of self-made things that yeah. she's posted on social media <laughs> over the past year or so. But, yeah, I guess it's interesting, you know, a, a bit of a contrast. Yeah, definitely. Wh- why do you think that is? You know, you, I guess you've grown up with your sister your whole life. Is yeah. there anything you, you know, have ever thought about about that? I don't know. I think we're actually just very different people. Um We've always liked different... Um, we like some of the same things, but we've always had pretty strong differences. Um, she's always been probably a bit more outgoing um, and ready to be the life of the party and everything while I'm off doing some study or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just appeals to... I, I, I suppose I've got a creative side as well, but she definitely um, probably embraces her creative side more than I do. Mm. Um yeah. But Do you think it's possible to be creative in the field of, of health? And yeah, yeah. Like obviously po- probably not when you're operating on someone, you don't no. want to be too creative. <laughs> no, I don't want to get a bit inventive and everything then. But Right. But yeah, like how do you see your creativity? Because you also mentioned, and I'll definitely come to, to speak about it, but you know, you're, you're musically inclined, yeah, you like yeah. you know, playing music. Um, well, I suppose the creative side of medicine is that there's a lot of research left to be done. Like, there's plenty of things we don't know. Um, so, I suppose to to be able to do that, you kind of have to think outside the box a bit. Um, otherwise, we'd know everything. Like, nothing's completely straightforward. Right. Um, so, I suppose that's a little bit creative to be able to branch out and think of things differently. But the, probably the most creative things in medicine would be either to do with... Um, uh, sort of presenting information, uh, whether in brochures or uh, films or things like that, uh, right. which is important for a lot of patients who don't have medical backgrounds and need to understand complex information. Right. Um, and also in developing technology. Right. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's very different creative skills to what my sister's interested in. Totally. Yeah. But still very, as you say, like very important in terms of people who don't have you know, maybe any understanding yeah. of certain things or of the body. Yeah, of course. And yeah. needing to know <laughs> how this new or how this disease that they've, they have or how this yeah, yeah. thing's going to affect their life, right? Yeah. Uh, deliver it in a way. I mean, that is an art, delivering something like that. Like, Definitely. You, you, you know, you mentioned you were four years old when you had leukaemia, but, mm. you know, people have or get, get told they have cancer every day. Yeah, exactly. Right sort of like the art of being able to just communicate to someone so yeah interesting (laughs) cool because i really believe that like we all and i've only really i feel tapped into it more recently but even when i was a bit younger i feel like i was quite quite creative but maybe didn't know and wasn't able to you know create and express as much as i could have whereas i guess i'm doing that a bit more now with this definitely with the podcast yeah, yeah, which is good. But your music or, you know, you say you like to listen to a lot, you like to, to play a yeah. little bit in high school. How much of that do you do now and 
Um, I, I still do quite a lot of music. Um, so I started clarinet. That was my first instrument when I was about seven. Um, and for a while that was my only interest instrument. Uh, in year seven, I started trombone. Uh, I must admit I don't really play much trombone anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely stuck towards clarinet. I've, I've since got a saxophone, um, picked up flute as well. And so I, I do play, I do do a couple of gigs here and there. Um, on clarinet, saxophone and flute, but nothing on trombone. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So whereabouts are the gigs? Like how sort of big are that? You don't necessarily have to name the exact establishments no. if you don't want to, but... <laughs> no, it's, so it's um, it's for amateur theatre companies mainly or high schools yep. that put on productions. So I play, um, they call it the pit for orchestras because traditionally it's a little pit under the stage where we play, right. but... Um, most theatre companies don't have a, their own orchestra pit. Right. So, I don't know, sometimes we're on stage, sometimes we're behind stage. I have once been in the pit before, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, so we just play the live music for the musicals. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, w- what's that like to be to be there for a few hours? I, I assume that's ha- sort of how long? Yeah. So, it can be – the shows are generally about three hours. So, three hours of playing with only a break in the middle is pretty full on. Yeah. Um, the rehearsals can go for longer. But it's so much fun. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. And you meet, like, fantastic people. Right. Playing in the orchestras. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. So sometimes <laughs> I, di- I did one earlier this year after not having played for a while. And I realised that they were all so amazing. <laughs> and <laughs> I was a bit out of practice. Right. But – they were so lovely to me and it was just such a good environment to be in, even though I didn't feel like I was completely practised at that point. Right. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's, I don't know, I, it, I've always felt comfortable playing around people, maybe yeah. not straight away, but um, if I don't know them. Um, but once, sure. once, once, we, once we have the rehearsals and, like, get underway with the show, it's pretty easy to... Right, you just yeah. get in the groove and yeah, away exactly. you go. Yeah, How do you balance it because... You know, you're studying a pretty intense yeah. subject <laughs> there at uni yeah. and you're going to be for quite a number of years. You know, you mentioned maybe you weren't as well practised as you would have liked. Yeah. But do you get in practice or...? Yeah, so it depends um, how much notice I have before I do a show. So the one that I wasn't in practice for, um, I think I agreed to do it a few weeks before they opened. or No, a few weeks before we started rehearsals. Um, and I had actually not balanced things very well leading up to then because I'd been studying for an exam um, for postgraduate med. So music was completely not my priority sure. at that point. Um, but since then, I suppose when uni gets busier and stuff, it's, it's, I just can't. It has to go on the back burner a bit. Yeah. But um, holidays and quieter patches in uni, I try to play as much as I can. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't balance it very well, to be honest. Sure. But I, w- if I have a bit of notice before I do a gig, I, I, I get in shape. I, I get there. Yeah. <laughs> I try my very best to. Sure. And, like, how nervous do you – or do you get nervous before um, it? I, I get a bit nervous before the first rehearsals. Uh, playing around people that I don't know yeah. is nerve-wracking. But once, as I said before, once, once you've had a few rehearsals, it's pretty comfortable. I don't even feel nervous if I'm on stage, really, unless there's a big solo or something that I – stuff up and that's a bit scary <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that would be terrifying yeah. if you did that. have you ever stuffed up a big solo um yeah prob- probably a couple of times but not 
I don't think it was overly noticeable. I heard a couple of recordings after. I'm like, I, I, it's not quite as awful as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think generally if, I, if I've got a solo, especially if it's one that's exposed and people are going to hear it, I make sure it's correct mm. <laughs> or do my, do my best to. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So now then, you're 20 years old. I know we've talked a lot about what you're aiming to do, especially to do with uni, but what are you trying to achieve in your life? In my life? Um, I guess just as much as anyone else, just to be happy and not have regrets. Um, like it's okay, I feel like it's okay if I put things on pause for a bit, if, if I want to take a break from studies. I mean, I have no intentions to, but yeah. um, if I want to change what I'm doing in future... Um, yeah, I suppose I kind of – I don't want to be in a situation where I'm not enjoying something. Um, so that's why at the moment I'm completely content with the pathway I've chosen, even though it is long. Mm. Um, I'm happy with it. So I suppose I just I, – I consider myself to be enjoying life at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, in terms of what I want, um, yeah, I, it's, I don't have a clear picture of what I want in my future – Mm. Um, aside from just being happy, healthy, um, good friends, yeah. Yeah, sort of real important, but I would say as well like simple yeah. things, you know, Definitely. that doesn't have to be overcomplicated, yeah. right? Yeah, of course, little things in life. Yeah, yeah. It's, good, it's good to want those things. But, yeah, I, again, I, I guess, you know, we are probably very similar, obviously, where, you know, you're a girl, I'm a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've grown up in fairly similar environments, you know, mm -hmm. sort of what I think you might be, you know, eastern side of, if Victoria would say yeah. east and west, but, you know, eastern side of Victoria, but, you know, we're, we're quite privileged, I yeah. would say. I'm sure yeah, you, you realise that. Right. Um, but I guess when I was 20, I was like, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And I felt this real anxiety to maybe prove myself. And I don't think that's necessarily a guy thing. I'm sure girls probably experience it as well. I don't yeah. I don't know, but it's clearly not the case with you. You know, yeah. you seem quite level-headed, very mature. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Where do you think that maybe came from? Like, do you consider yourself, you know, really mature? Um, I, I probably do. And I, I, I suppose that would probably have a lot to do with my early childhood and being sick um, because... I suppose from a young age, I learned that even uh, things sometimes things are unpleasant, and sometimes you've just got to do them. Um, whether that's just taking medication or whatever you need to do to get yourself healthy, whether it be in that situation or any other situation, I mean, life doesn't come easy for anyone. It's mm -hmm. so I suppose I just I never really I don't think I ever really had a sort of I don't know like a lot of kids probably have the view that life's a walk in the park mm. like growing up like things will just be easy you'll go to school and then you'll go have a job and you'll make money and have a house and whatever but I suppose I always thought there are going to be obstacles and that's probably the attitude I've had with everything that there are going to be obstacles but they can be overcome so I suppose I don't know if that's maybe a p where part of my maturity comes from mm. um yeah <laughs> yeah no I think it's a really good answer because yeah, I don't know when that necessarily changed for me, but I I definitely remember being your age. Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, just being like, you know, I've got all these 
grand ideas and big plans and I still got them now but I'm just much more calm with yeah. the fact that you know it's okay if it doesn't happen tomorrow yeah, or exactly. or next year yeah. you know it's cool to have a conversation like this or you know to do what I'm doing and just slowly move forward and yeah. I don't know I'm you know obviously learning more and more about you like yeah. we've had plenty of family Christmases and things and family yeah. events but we've probably never had just a one-on-one conversation yeah, for as long definitely. as this but maybe the fact that you've acknowledged the runway that you're on with with your your studies is quite long yeah and it's like well <laughs> I've just got it like it's the process yeah it's the thing that I'm yeah that I'm doing so and I can't put the rest of my life on hold while I'm doing that so I have to I don't know find enjoyable things too mm. yeah totally and like an addition to that question do you consider yourself an adult? And if so, when do you, <laughs> when did you feel that you became an adult? Um, I don't know. I, I probably some point in high school, I didn't feel like a kid anymore. Like I think that probably most people are like, I'm not a kid. Like, I, but it was more than just that. Oh, don't call me a kid. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm grown up now. I mean, I still think I'm a kid. <laughs> I wish okay. I. I feel like I'm not 27. Um, I mean, I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely. Um, I don't consider myself a fully fledged adult um, sure. in that I, there's plenty of adult responsibilities that I don't want to really think about right <laughs> now. <laughs> but um, Yeah, you don't have to pay for your water or electricity yes, at home, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah, I got very, a text today lucky. from my electricity company. Spewing, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Sphering>, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but I suppose in, in high school, um, Probably it was probably little things like when they gave us assigned seating in year twelve or something. I was like, seriously, I'll get get over this now. Like we we can sit next to people and you know be mature. Not cause a ruckus. Yes, yeah. I mean well, I'm sure there were plenty of people that couldn't do that. But <laughs> you weren't in that category. No, I, I was a bit fed up with it by that point, and that's when I kind of was like, okay, I'm ready to get out of this environment and go be in the real world. Mm. Um, yeah, no, but I suppose. There, there are some aspects where I consider myself an adult. I'm lucky to have a lot of independence, um, and my parents give me a lot of freedom too. In that, they, 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 they trust me a lot, so I can do what I want to do pretty much, and they don't ask too many questions. They're not too overprotective or anything. Yeah. Um. So I do feel like an adult in that sense that I, ha- I can have my own life. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I suppose that's the other side of it that I'm not ready to be an, a complete adult on my own yet. <laughs> yeah. But sure. in some senses, I want to. I want to move out everything but yeah just lining everything up <laughs> yeah well I guess you know I've moved out a couple of times and then moved back yeah. <laughs> even the folks but I don't know I guess is maybe not ever like the perfect time like you probably heard that yeah. it's a bit of a cliche but yeah yeah no it's it's finding housemates I think and everything is a bit sure of a, yeah it's a bit tricky at the moment um all my friends kind of live either really far away or really close to me right now so I'm like I don't know if if I move, I'm moving away from half of them and moving right. close to the other half. But then some of them are quite close to uni, so they don't want to get a share house yet. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just fi- every, lining things up for myself and people that I'd, I'd be wanting to share a house with as well. Right. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good things to deliberate, I think, rather yeah. than rushing in. Yeah. Rushing into. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> So if you could sit down and have a meal with anyone, <laughs> dead or alive, from any time period yeah, and just, you know, have a full-on conversation like this for a couple of hours, who would it be? Oh, my 
my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> um, Take your time. Let me think. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably plenty of people that I can't even think of right now that I would love to have a conversation with throughout history and whatever. Yeah. Um, from various fields that I'm interested in, like science, um, music, anything. But the one that's coming to mind most is J.K. Rowling because okay. I, I love the Harry Potter books and I think she'd be a pretty cool person to have a conversation with. Yeah, that's <laughs> completely true. What What's some of the things you'd like to know or like to maybe quiz her on? Um, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd want to know um, at like what point everything fell into place. Like when did she know she was going to write it? Like how, how did she how did she want to get – how did she get through her earlier books when she – probably really wanted to write the cool conclusion that all the other books were lining up to. Right. Like, I don't know, I, f- I feel like it would be hard to make yourself wait yeah. to do that if you had, like, a really cool goal in mind to then take the time to write out six books before you get to the last one. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't even think I've read them all, and I'm not sure if I've seen the last movie, so please don't <laughs> hate on me and maybe don't spoil it for anyone I, who I maybe hasn't. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind if you did with me, but... <laughs> Do you think, whatever that spoiler is, do you think she knew that or do you think it just like was one book after the other and she eventually was like, this would be a boss way to end it? <laughs> like, how do you think it... I mean, I think I think at some point she had to have known and I think it probably was pretty early on. I think a lo- I think from memory she says that she planned everything out um, from the start. Mm-hmm. I think it was on a train ride or something. Wow. Random or that the idea came to her and then she just fleshed it out a bit, but... Yeah. yeah, no, I, I think she would have had to have had it from the start. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, yeah, never <laughs> heard of that. I'll have to look into it because I came back from New South Wales last or earlier, yeah, last week on Friday night. And there's something about, I caught the overnight bus. Yeah. And I can't say I recommend it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something weird when I, whenever I travel and you might have this, like whether it's on a plane or a train or on an overnight bus at yeah. one time <laughs> but like I get really motivated and like I read and I write all these ideas down yeah. so that's a cool story JK Rowling yeah yeah it's completely random but I mean I'm sure there's a million people but I just can't think of them right now no no that's I don't know why I not that. completely random I mean everyone should probably know who that is yeah <laughs> author of Harry Potter series sweet so you sit down with her maybe one day that can happen yeah maybe yeah <laughs> nice one so what motivates you on a daily basis? You travel four hours, you know, yeah. total to uni and back. Obviously, you're not doing that every day. Yeah. But, yeah, what motivates you every day to, to do what you do? Um, I suppose uh, with the competitive nature of the course and everything, there is that element of um, I have to work hard to get to where I want to be mm. um, that drives me a bit. Uh, but... I wouldn't say that's the only thing. I, I, I do enjoy it. I love going to uni to see my friends. Um, sometimes it's a drag when I've got early classes or really late classes and I won't get home till late. And yeah. it, uh, Obviously, everyone goes through stressful times when they've got a million things to do. Um, so I suppose it's harder to be driven in those times. Yeah, so I would say it's probably the fact that I know I have to try my best and I want to try my best. Um, and also that... I know I can have great holidays <laughs> when I'm done. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm done with the uni semester, we've got we've got a good bit of break. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> what what what's some of the favourite things you like to do on your holidays? Um, is it just literally the time off? 
I, it's it's the time. It's the not having to travel, um, not having to watch lectures, and even though I enjoy the content, it's a huge amount of content and it's exhausting to get everything in. So mm. when you don't have that, it's remarkable how much time you have. Yeah. Um, so I'm working, saving up money. Uh, I'm going to the beach tomorrow, so that'll nice. be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose just socialising and doing things that I wouldn't be able to do as much during semesters, like playing music, um, basketball. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to just do a bit more exercise and, and just general things in life that I can't do during uni semester. Yeah, no, for sure. It makes sense. I think it's good to have that, especially considering by the sounds of it, the amount of work yeah. you know, you're doing <laughs> and all, all this study. So. Yeah. Yeah, good to maintain that. So before you sort of talked about, you know, when I asked what are you trying to achieve, you know, you sort of mentioned, you know, happiness and yeah, obviously good good things like that, sort of simple things, but what is happiness to you? What is, you know, what makes, what are some of the things that make you happy? Um, well, things that probably make me happy are just, again, pretty simple things in life, spending time with friends, um, I suppose on a personal level, being proud of myself and knowing that I've done my best at whatever I'm doing, so whether that be a uni assignment or something, um, I'm, I'm happy if I've given something my best shot, even if I don't get the mark I wanted or something. Like obviously I'm not thrilled if I'm disappointed with the mark, but um, I, I feel, it's, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess I just, I'm, I'm happy once I've done my best at something. And then I learn from mistakes. And then if I can apply that, then I'm happy with that too. Mm. Um, I guess doing hobbies, spending time with family, friends, pets. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know, little things in life that make me happy. Um, I don't want to feel like I haven't done my best at something or um, or that I've been dishonest or, like, just things like that that, like, if, if I, yeah, I, I don't want to be someone other than who I am. I don't want to feel like I'm pretending to be someone or um, not being true to myself in a situation, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, yeah I guess it just be true to myself and try my best. That's what makes me happy. That's really nice. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. It's good words to live by. So one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because I listened to quite a few and one of the questions and this was mainly to super famous people or super successful people, but yeah. the question was, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? <laughs> and these people are like, you know, in their 40s or 50s yeah. in, in most cases. You being 20, it's, you know, a bit stupid of me to ask what <laughs> advice would you give to your 20-year-old self because yeah. you sort of just said it in terms of being, joining a band, but as yeah. well as, yeah, it makes sense why that doesn't make sense as a question yeah. to a 20-year-old. So I wanted to flip it mm. and... I don't know if this will work either, yeah. but I just thought I like including this question as it was the inspiration for the for the podcast, as I say. But what advice would you like to give to your forty year old self? So okay. maybe <laughs> if I'm still doing this in yeah. twenty years, I can play it back to you at a family <laughs> Christmas. Oh my gosh! But is there anything? Yeah, any message you'd like to give? Um, I don't know. I I just I feel very strongly that. If I'm not doing something that's making me happy, then I should reconsider what I'm doing. And I know plenty of adults that um, sort of go into a career path and keep working on it for a while, but find it doesn't make them happy, but keep going anyway because they feel they have obligations to themselves or their family or something. 
So if I were ever in that situation as a 40 year old, I'd say make sure you're enjoying your life um, and not doing something just out of obligation. Yeah, it's okay to change things up a bit. I love it. Good message. <laughs> Any 40 year olds listening out there, feel triggered or called out. I hope you're not too, too bad, but I think that's really good advice. So yeah, no, thank you. Um, is there anything you'd like to, to say or add maybe that I haven't prompted before, before we go? <laughs> you're welcome. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming. No worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So there you have it. Another episode of the Hope Initiative. Thanks again to my cousin, Mia. Really appreciate her coming out and having the, the chat. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe share it with a friend whether you take a screenshot and post it on your social media or send it directly to someone it really means a lot to me and it's really the way that i want this to grow it, it basically i guess it's validation for the work i'm doing but absolutely no pressure if there's anything you think i could do better i'm open to that as well so my email is in the show notes and all of that but yeah i hope you did learn a lot out of this and yeah got inspired for the future i know i did I'll be listening back at least when I'm 40, but I'm sure I'll be listening back many times before then. But yeah, thanks again. And until next time, all the very best.